This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. First and goal at the three. Lining up in the clock at 10 seconds and ticking. In the shotgun, Mahomes. Four-man front, receiver in motion, low snap. He runs and he throws, caught, touchdown! It's caught! Hardman caught the ball! The Chiefs have won! The Chiefs have won! The entire bench empties! Chasing Mahomes in the end zone! Their third Super Bowl in five years! That was Kevin Harlan on the call. Westwood won a game that if you listen to that call, you heard it right here on Sports Radio 610. Um, Payne and Pendergast with you on a Reaction Monday. Good to be with you. So we are in a world where the Chiefs are once again Super Bowl champions. Third time in five years. And the, uh, the D word is coming up now. Dynasty for these guys. And Mike Sando, Seth of The Athletic, has a... He has his pick six column he does every Monday, and he does a really deep dive, a good one on this, about, okay, where where do the Chiefs stack up compared to other dynastic organizations in, in recent football history? And, the, you know, the, the thing to me, his criteria, his requirements, you know, yeah. kind of the velvet rope of this whole thing to get into the club, winning three-plus Super Bowls over a five-season span, Posting the NFL's best regular season winning percentage, beginning with the first Super Bowl winning season and ending with the final or most recent one, and then reaching the conference championship round more than half the time during this dynastic period. And by his measurements, there's really only four dynasties that are in this conversation during the Super Bowl era. Yeah. The New England run from 2001 through 2018, the San Francisco run. From 1981 to 1994, the Pittsburgh Steelers of the 70s, 74 through 79, and these current day Kansas City Chiefs. And I know there's going to be some Cowboy fans like, what about the Cowboys? They won three. They they won three in four years, and they fired Jimmy Johnson. They've never been, you know, they they won. You know, they fired Jimmy Johnson, put Barry Switzer in there, won another one. They've never been back. It wasn't a five year run. That's right. This is the the minimum the minimum span. In this one has to be five years. Yep, so um, it's a little bit odd in that you're like, okay, so you can win three Super Bowls over five years, but if you do it in less time than that, then you're not. But still, there you go. Yeah. Well, plus that five year span. The big part, I I was impressed with him adding the regular season win percentage over the course of that time. Yeah. Um, because that just shows like absolute dominance from like uh, during the season into the Super Bowl yes. into the playoffs. Consistency. All of that. Yeah, yeah. 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 And I think. The other ones that popped into my head, I'm like, well, the the Redskins won three over a 12-year period with three different quarterbacks. And Sando points out, but yeah, like their bad years though were were not great. You know, they didn't yeah. they didn't make the con- when they made it to the conference championship game, they normally went on to win the Super Bowl. They just yeah. didn't make the conference championship game all that much. And that's where the the dynasty part comes in, I think. Yeah, where uh, like it, it 
it takes out some of the randomness of winning a championship. Like, cause you can, okay, if you make a stab at it, but then you suck the next year, but then you make a stab at it again, uh, it's not as impressive as if you're, you're good throughout. So the, I guess the impressive thing about New England compared to those other three is just obviously the total number of seasons. Yeah. Like it was 18 seasons. I mean, it was 14 seasons for the 81 through 94 um, 49ers as well. But the, like the 18 seasons while winning 13, uh, well, while appearing in 13 conference championships, the, like those numbers just put everything, those other three teams, uh, it dwarfs those other three teams. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, 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 it's it's almost you're comparing apples and oranges, I think, if you're trying to go, okay, which is the more impressive dynasty, this one who's done it for five years or this one who's done it for 18 years? Right, you know, right, like It's really yeah. hard to draw comparisons. I guess where I go, okay, wh- what, which team at their peak have I been most impressed by? And the weird thing about the Patriots, because it's going to be the Patriots and the Chiefs that get compared because they kind of semi-overlap the same era. At least they butt up against each other, you know, because – the, the Steelers of the 70s, it was a completely different NFL back then. The Niners, you know, that dynasty ended in, in 94. I think the weird thing about the Patriots, Seth, is the most impressive, some of the most impressive versions of the Patriots were ones that didn't even win Super Bowls. Right. You know, like the 2007 Patriots team might be the best team I've ever seen play in my lifetime. They didn't win the Super Bowl that year. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, so like, I, like I, I think the most impressive thing about this Chiefs run here that they've had, if we want to call it a dynasty, is that they've been able to win Super Bowls when they're seemingly not even at their best. You know, like, this was not a great version of the Chiefs this year. Yeah. Which, I, I mean, you can say that about the... You can say that about New England as well. Sure. Um, and I think that uh, that's the... The thing about New England is that when you make it to as many conference championships as you do, and you make the 13 conference championships in the course of 18 seasons... You're going to like some years you're going to have a better team, but it just doesn't work out and you don't make the Super Bowl or you lose the Super Bowl. There's going to be other years where everything falls your way. And like Belichick was always very open about that, that like, look, it's really a matter about getting to that final four. Like that's the real challenge is are you good enough to get to that final four? And then in, from one year to the next, sometimes the ball is just not going to bounce your way. I see for me, Sean, the interesting one for me right now with Kansas City is comparing them to the 74 through 79 Steelers. Okay. Because that's what, like, the, the Chiefs can't surpass that Steelers team for another two years. Because the Steelers, the Steelers did it in six seasons. They went, they won four Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. So right now, the, the, the Chiefs have, in five seasons, won three Super Bowls. And they might be able to make one more Super Bowl appearance, but the um, because they've gone to four Super Bowls. But the the Steelers went to four Super Bowls and won all four. Yeah, of they're four and zero over yeah. the course of six seasons. The Steelers had a seven sixty seven regular season win percentage during that time, where the Chiefs right now are seven fifty nine. Um, conference championship appearances, all that stuff is just about identical. So they really like they can only match what the Steelers did back in the seventies, which which goes to show you how impressive it was with what the Steelers did in the 70s. However, that was before free agency. It was yeah. easier to keep a team together then. So, like, in, in some respects, this the level of difficulty is higher for the current Chiefs. That, that's my big thing. Is that, that's, that's why I kind of, when, when I was listing those four dynasties, yeah. I'm almost treating the Steelers like they were operating, you know, like before there was running water. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, because it, it was such a different a different environment to try to, you know, to keep your team together and things like that. Um, 
that the Chiefs... They, they also may have been using steroids before. That, that, there's that, else, too. There, so there is that. There is yeah. that. And, yeah, no may. Yeah. They were. Um, so, yeah. Jim Haslett, Jim Haslett uh, said that the reason that they started using steroids on the Bills was because they realized... They found out that all these guys on the Steelers were using steroids. Yeah. So whether whether that's true or not, we, who knows? But there's there's that element to it. Dude, it's so impressive, though, looking at these teams. Like, Mike Sando has this chart. I mean, the Patriots, dude. 18 seasons, 18 winning seasons, number one in winning percentage over that time. Can you imagine rooting for a team that goes to the conference championship game 13 times in 18 years? 13 times in 18 years. They 72% of the time they get to the final four of the NFL. They go to nine Super Bowls in eight. Well, one 50% of the time they go to the Super Bowl. 72% of the time, conference championship game. 50% of the time they get to the Super Bowl. One out of three years, they're winning a Super Bowl. Yeah. Boy, these uh boy, these Patriot fans who like grew up like in their teens, you know, like they're like they're like elementary school and teens coincided with the advent of this Patriots dynasty. Yeah, they are headed for some lean times, man. They're like, there's a lot of Patriot fans out there who just in the last couple of years have experienced what it's like to be on the other side of this thing. Well, no, it wasn't. Yeah, it was all those. They were raising a bunch of little King Joffreys. Yes, it just. Um, I mean, those kids grew up knowing nothing but Patriot success, experiencing championships in all four major sports in that city, and they never knew anything except excellence. And it's um, it's a little bit of a, a rude awakening for them here. Now when they have to try to figure out why is my why is my yeah. baseball owner not even trying to win championships? What is this What's, losing that's going on right now? I this mean, the, the damn city hasn't won a championship since 2018. Oh my god! Yeah. Are they okay? Should we check on Boston? Oh my god, that's horrible. We have. I mean, they won two championships in 2018, but still, <laughs> <laughs> they, they won the the Patriots beat the Rams Dude. and the uh, the Red Sox won their World Series in 2018, uh, right? Yeah. So <laughs> you brought this up earlier. Like, as a Texan fan, we're watching this game last night, and the template for what the Texans are trying to do is San Francisco, right? I mean, they're you know, it's D'Amico comes off of that yeah. Kyle Shanahan tree. Like, there if there's a if there's one of those two teams that they're trying to trying to mirror it's San Francisco which is strange strange because the 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 you know the one team that has the elite level quarterback is Kansas City the Texans have an elite level quarterback is there anything about watching San Francisco operate in these situations Seth where they're getting knocked out in the playoffs or losing Super Bowls that has any impact on how you view what I, the Texans are trying to do okay i would say the the two biggest decisions that Kyle Shanahan made that i think faced the most scrutiny one was obviously the decision not to possess the ball in overtime first, um, or, or they did possess possession, it first. possession to possess. Excuse me, yeah. the decision to possess the ball in overtime first. When with the current rules, okay, why not let the other team go first, and then you can then you know for sure whether you need a field goal or a touchdown, um, or if anything at all. It, so it gives you that control. Shanahan cited uh, analytics and why he made that decision. I kind of I actually agreed with Romo. And what his theory was, which was that the 49ers had just been on the field for a 13-game series on defense, and that the defense maybe needed a break. Mm -hmm. So just go ahead and get your offense out there first. Um, people were questioning that. I don't know what I don't know what D'Amico Ryan's would have chosen to do there. I don't either. Um, as a defensive coach, I feel like he might have, for non-analytical reasons, just done it for the physiological reasons. Mm -hmm. The other one was. Um, 
Shanahan not using his timeouts at the end of the first half. Oh, yeah. To, to get a chance. Like, that's a pretty conservative methodology um, to just go ahead and let Kansas City wind it down when you could be getting a chance to. Um, I'm, I'm torn on that because I do think it was putting some pressure on the Chiefs that uh, I don't know if you win that staring can- contest. It is Andy Reid on the other side who's who's not all that great with the clock management himself at times. But I think that would, would D'Amico have taken – D'Amico has taken timeouts at the end of the half to get an extra possession yeah. this season. Yeah, oh, I think yeah, D'Amico probably would have taken those timeouts. Yeah, he was, he's, he's I, been very aggressive in those situations. I think D'Amico in some respects is – like the perception or the the fear, perhaps, is always that a defensive minded coach is going to be super conservative. I think D'Amico has actually been more aggressive than many offensive minded coaches like Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. So I think that will serve them well as long as the, if the offense can get to the point where the the 49ers offense is. Obviously, yeah. Like you watch that offense, you go, okay, well, that's that's operating at a different level right An now. An anonymous coach told Mike Sando regarding that, I would have pulled my hamstring calling the defensive timeouts there. <laughs> that's good. Here's what the recap... Oh, that was a game management specialist who said that, actually. Okay. Um, this is what the game recap says about Shanahan's decision in overtime. Prior to the yeah. game, Shanahan said he and his analytics staff discussed overtime possibilities and decided that with Patrick Mahomes on the other side... It would be best to take the ball first because that would also mean the Niners got the ball third in the event both teams matched points on their opening possessions in overtime because at that point it's sudden death. After each team gets a possession, it's sudden death. That's exactly what I was feeling in overtime. That and I, I didn't know this until I read it after the game, but yeah. that's where with these rules, I'm like, man, it to get the ball, I feel like the possession, getting the first possession where it's sudden death is a premium yeah. item. You know, especially in a game where the two teams have started to get their legs under them offensively. Yeah. They didn't. You're saying the first possession and the third possession, which is the first time that it's sudden it's death. It's sudden yeah. death. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Because both those teams, boy, after the, the botched punt return, the punters never saw the field again after that for yeah. either team. You know, so both yeah, teams were moving the mode, ball. Yeah, yeah, teams that just, they were moving the ball. They were kicking field goals or scoring touchdowns. Yeah, yeah. I like, honestly, from my perspective, just as a defensive player, a 12 play drive takes it out of you. Sure. And especially when it's at the end of the game, I just thought physiologically you got to factor that in there. It's funny because one of the uh, one of the anonymous coaches that talks to Mike Sando for the Athletics says Kyle not having a dedicated game strategist on staff screwed him. I just I find that funny because like no they they did weigh analytics into this for that. Like these, yeah, they looked at it during these, the week. These damn guys it. act like there's only one uh, like one version of an analytical theory or or, or what have you that can. That can actually make sense. I will say I do think that for D'Amico's rookie season, there were startlingly few game management errors. Mm-hmm. I mean, like there were there were few game management errors, even from a veteran coach's standard. That like, they really they nailed it down in terms of just getting. I think they're I think they're getting input from the right people. I think when D'Amico makes a decision like that, he's got the right people in place to advise him. Um, I think it actually, D'Amico has turned being a defensive coach into an offensive advantage by him having the ability to focus on on what's going on in the game at large instead of dialing up the next offensive play. Um, I've got bad news for the texter that thinks that it's a lock that the Texans are going to play the Chiefs in the yeah. Thursday night season opener next year. I'm looking at the Chiefs' list of home opponents this coming season. And the Texans are, you know, they're 
they're certainly higher up the board than they would have been a year ago, obviously. Um, I We forget. They're in the same division with the Chargers. You don't think the NFL is going to want Jim Harbaugh's re-debut on Thursday night football? Uh, so I would say the Chargers are a sexier opponent for the Chiefs for TV purposes. I think the Texans are a better team than the Chargers, but for TV purposes, which is what this yeah. is about, um, Jim Harbaugh, his first game as Chargers head coach against the Super Bowl champions, that has cachet. They also play the Baltimore Ravens. So a rematch of the AFC title game involving the Super Bowl MVP against the league MVP from this season probably has more cachet. Hell, they got the Bengals at home this year. The return of Joe Burrow and the you know and the Chiefs and the Bengals have a little something going between the two of them. They faced off in really important games the last few years. Yeah, I would say the Texans are are probably at best fourth on the list uh, to get that first game of the season. I mean, they won't get it. Well, the, I'm just saying as far as cachet goes, the the Bengals especially just because of that. I mean, they they were calling it Burrowhead Stadium for a while. That's right. Yeah, so that's I mean, there's genu- I think there's genuine love lost between those two franchises. Look, in this era where these damn guys are doing doing each other's podcasts and loving each other all over the place, uh, like a, a little bit of genuine hatred could be nice. So yeah, I would say just give me give me the genuine hatred for each other uh, between the Bengals and the Chiefs. Please, give me that. They also play the Chiefs at San Francisco this coming season. How about that? It's a pretty sporty schedule right there. Wait, who plays the Chiefs? Chiefs at, the Chiefs play the Chiefs at San Francisco. They play okay, at the 40. You. I'm just throwing that yeah. in there. They play at the 49ers uh, this year. Um, so they've got some – and that's what happens. You win the division, you get harder opponents in those variable games. So that's what happens. All right, Payne and Pendergast with you on a uh, Reaction Monday. Super Bowl in the books. Um, let's go back to Radio Row. C.J. Stroud, I would say, was one of the stars of Radio Row this week. I don't think that's an exaggeration at all. He was on a lot of shows, saying a lot of cool things. The best of C.J. Stroud from Radio Row this past week. We relive the magic next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on and podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Sports Radio 610 presents Pain and Pendergast. All right, uh, Radio Row. Radio Row is it's pretty sweet this year. C.J. Stroud was making the rounds. It's a He's, content corner. It was content corner. They were calling not, not Radio Row anymore. No, no, no. And I remember we were uh, we were saying Streamers Row. You know what? I saw a yeah. couple of the outlets call it Media Row. 
media row. Well, yeah. they don't even call it. Yeah, it's called the Super Bowl Media Center. Yeah. It is. I mean, there are, there are more cameras than there are microphones. Everybody is streaming. And um, yeah, it's uh, it, it's uh, it's uh, and and actually, and like, there's multiple just different TV setups and everything up yeah, there. So. Yeah. So what, what what they were calling it the Super Bowl Media Center, and what did you see? No, they, I they saw a few it? of the outlets there, like FanDuel, yeah. DraftKings, call it Media Row. Media Row. Media okay. Row. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, because they're not on the radio, so they, I could see where they'd want a different name for it. Um, C.J. Stroud was on the speaking of podcasts from gambling outlets. Kay Adams, formerly of Good Morning Football. Uh, this is what I like about CJ. He gets asked his opinion on things, and he doesn't dance around it. He's not afraid to give his opinion on things. Here was CJ Stroud making a case for D'Amico Ryan's winning coach of the year. No disrespect to last year's team. Go 3-14-1. Uh, haven't been in the playoffs since 2019. Um, and when you, get, when you get the roster, everybody's saying you have a below-average roster, a rookie quarterback, rookie offensive coordinator, rookie head coach, and you beat the odds... Um, and you go to the playoffs, you win a playoff game against the guy who won head coach of the year, which I think uh, Stefanski did a great job. He's a, he's a great coach as well. But, um, I mean, and you lead one of the best defenses in the league. Like, I think that's coach of the year worthy. Yeah, I think CJ knows yeah. it's a regular season award also. He brings up the playoff game, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know if he does know it or not. I think most guys don't. I, like, uh, I've, I've noticed that it seems like more players than not don't know that it's a regular season award. Of all so, the guys, I would bet CJ may know. He just feels like pretty plugged in on stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just um, guessing. And yet it's not an argument for it. So he's either making a bad argument or he doesn't know. Yeah. I prefer the, the first part. I think that that part, it should be, since it was a damn near tie, and what, see, uh, D'Amico and Savansky, they had the same number of first place votes? No, 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 right? no, 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 no. They had the same number of total points. Okay. And then the tiebreaker was Stefanski had one more first place vote than D'Amico. Just one more first place. Because you vote okay. first, second, and third and add up the yeah. points. Yeah. So, yeah, I feel like in that situation, they should have a runoff, especially when those teams are playing in the genuine playoffs. Right. They should have a coach of the year playoffs. They as should. Well. They should. Um, yeah. Here is CJ on what sets D'Amico apart. I think because he's played and he's been in our shoes before, um, and he's not that type of guy that um, is going to be a negative coach. He's, he's a positive person, and he's going to stay that way, but he's going to hold everybody accountable. He's going to set a standard, and everybody has to stick to that standard. Um, and he brings that juice every day. So um, he's been amazing to me in my development just as a quarterback, just teaching me defense and reads and operational stuff, uh, two-minute drill, all different type of stuff. I know he's a really good coach. I appreciate him. Yeah, that you know what? That last part there, and that just hit me just now listening to that. We hear so much about, oh, quarterback needs an offensive head coach. Cowherd won't shut up about it. They, they hired five defensive head coaches this go-around. I can't believe yeah. it. I thought what he touched on there, like there is value to a defensive head coach to a quarterback if you're a curious enough quarterback, like we've heard CJ is. Like they, they, they gush about the fact that after plays during scrimmages and things like that, he's going over to Matt Burke and to D'Amico to ask, okay, what'd you guys do there? You know, that kind right, of thing. Right, There's yeah, intel very, to be gathered from both sides. That's one thing they've taken from the Shanahan philosophy, which is really, really good, which is like understanding both sides of the ball extremely well. And that's something that D'Amico has done from the time he was a rookie was he wanted to learn as much about why the offense is operating the way they do so that, yeah, I do think that D'Amico and I'll go back to what we talked about earlier, which is D'Amico for a rookie coach, especially had very, very few game management gaffes this year, or even question. I wouldn't even call them gaffes. I would like even question. There were very few, even questionable decisions um, this year 
from a game management perspective. And I think a lot of it does go back to that, like trying to see the game from a broader perspective. It's also something that I think D'Amico shares in common with Nick Casario is that in New England, that's one of the things they're known for is really having the players understand situational football. Mm -hmm. Like it's not enough to have the guys on the sideline understand, you know, what needs to be done. The guys on the field got to know exactly why you're doing what you're doing. When, when you can risk an interception versus when you shouldn't, you know, exactly. If you don't make it, if you don't make it on this down, are you going to be going for it on fourth down? All those little things, like they they really factor in and and yeah, you're right. D'Amico, as a defensive coach, has as good a grasp on it as anybody else. One more, real quick, since yeah. you mentioned uh, Colin Coward yeah. griping about you know defensive, he brought up the defensive number of playoffs won by defensive coaches this year, and it and it annoyed me because it's a classic case where, like, okay, yes, there's also a bias towards hiring offensive coaches, so there are simply more offensive coaches. Yeah, and uh, yeah, like it, it'd be like back in the day saying like, well, clearly only men can be doctors because look, all the doctors are men. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, because you've only hired men to be doctors. Yeah, that's a, that's why. Basically, I'm putting defensive coaches in the same plate as uh, women throughout the century. <laughs> They've uh, just uh, just as many hardships. They've been they held faced. down. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. Um, here's one more from CJ. They didn't, they didn't allow defensive coaches to start voting until 1950. Suffrage. Yep. Uh, we're um, here is uh, one more from CJ Stroud, K Adams podcast. This is probably more of a visual thing than anything else, but she had the Lombardi trophy literally sitting on the set. Yeah. And for whatever reason, CJ would not make eye contact with the Lombardi trophy. She pointed this out. This is an actual Lombardi trophy, CJ. I, I don't want to you know. look at it yet. What? I'm not going to look at You're it. You're not going to look at it? Why? Because I want my own and I don't want to. This is the actual one that will be given out to either the Niners or the Chiefs. You don't want to look at it. Nope. I want my own. <laughs> you won't even make eye contact with it. I find that fascinating. <laughs> really, everybody else is like taking selfies with it. No, why? Um, Can you explain that a little better so I, so I get it? I don't know. I just feel like I want to put my eyes on the one that I want to win, you know. So that's already up for grabs from two other teams. And, you know, I'm not available in those games. Those aren't my te- that's not my team. So, you know, I'd rather just wait uh, next year for mine. She sounded like a therapist for a little bit there. Like, Oh, tell me more. Why don't you want to make eye contact with she, this trophy? She she does a really good job of connecting with players. Yeah, she, she gets does. good interviews out of. I've noticed them. I, I've, she does a she has a very good. So yeah, almost maybe like a therapist. She kind of she kind of looks at you in like a way that like she's she's listening uh, empathetically without judgment, and uh, and guys just kind of open up. So uh, CJ opened up about his fear of looking at this year's <laughs> fear statue. of looking at the Lombardi Trophy because it's it not- was almost like it was like the reverse of the Weeping Angels on Doctor Who. It was uh, like he was afraid that if he looked at it, it would come attack him or something. I'm looking at the podium session. We're going to get back to CJ here. Brock Purdy's podium session is is on the TV in our studio right now. He's got on a sport coat and a button down shirt. He's clearly like showered from the game and whatnot. He looks like. He looks like some debate student at an Ivy League school. Like he's just—he he, looks like Lee Harvey Oswald. He, well, that that too at a podium that, trying to answer for himself. That too. I found it kind of ironic that a ruby-colored team took him out. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See what you did there. Um, yeah, it's just he doesn't look anything like an NFL quarterback. It's wild. He does. <laughs> uh, Brock Purdy. Somebody earlier said, "Hey, you can't." We were talking about Brock Purdy, and my take is that. I'm not I'm not anti Brock Purdy after last night, but I did think of all the offensive names out there. He was the one guy for the 49ers that 
in no way looked impressive, other than on maybe the one the one throw that got called back uh, where he threw under duress across the field. Mm-hmm. That was an impressive throw, but other than that. He, he did not look nearly as impressive as Christian McCaffrey. Um, like Debo Samuel on his better plays. And it's not like Debo Samuel had a great night. Uh, Juwan Jennings, certainly not. Uh, the, the most impressive thing he did was throw the ball to Juwan Jennings, who then threw a, a touchdown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that, I mean, that's where, like, Cam saying he's their 10th best player. And people were acting like that was some sort of insult. Like, no, on that team, that's a compliment that he's their 10th best player. There's, like, yeah, and there's he, seven all pros on that team. He's also just a second-year player going up against... Probably the best defense in the league. I mean, they weren't ranked that way, um, but in the playoffs, man, they've been a hell of a defense. So I'm not like down on Brock Purdy, but I definitely don't have a final judgment on him this yeah. year. Um, so CJ Stroud, he was on, you mentioned this earlier, Seth, Micah Parsons podcast. Micah Parsons yeah. had this amazing studio somewhere, nowhere within eye shot of us, but somewhere where he was able to get a lot of really good guests on Radio Row. Yeah, yeah. Including CJ Stroud. And he asked C.J. Stroud to name his all-pro offense if he wanted to just run one play. Okay, if I want to, so we're going to listen to who C.J.'s all-pro offense would be. The part where he draws up a play is a little too visual for radio, but he, you know, he draws up a play. But do we agree with C.J. Stroud's first-team all-pro? If you needed one dream play to run, here he is. I'm just going to name my players first. I got Devontae Adams at X, Tank Dale at my slide, my F. LT at left tackle. Um, my guy from the Ravens, 70 at left guard. I got Humphrey at 53. Quinn Nelson at right guard. Um, I got Lane Johnson at right tackle. Got Jameer Gibbs. I know you like that. And my running back. I got myself as quarterback. Travis Kelsey as my tight end. And I have Jamar Chase as my Z. Okay. You like that? It's not enough, but it's cool. Okay. <laughs> It's cool. Not enough. What do they, they need? To, what do you mean? Not enough? I don't know. Because oh, yeah. then not, CJ just went on to draw up a play, and that, that was yeah. that was the end of the clip. Um, I would say the most noteworthy things in this um, in this first team All Pro offense that CJ just put together is that Tank Dell is his slot receiver. Mm-hmm. So so Tank is continuing to get love from his fellow rookie CJ Stroud. I think the even other, though Tank isn't uh, used as a slot nearly as much as he is outside, got to find okay. a way to get his guy in there. You got sounds to, like he's sending a message to me to Bobby Slowick. Use him in the slot more. Now yeah. he does have Devontae Adams on one side and Jamar Chase on the other side. Ah, uh, um, Jamar Chase. Yeah, I last I watched, the two of them were busy hooking up for a touchdown in the flag football game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, got his guy Tunsil in there at left tackle. No Trent Williams. He's got Laramie no Tunsil. No Trent Williams, yeah. huh? 78 on the Ravens. I went and looked up. That's Morgan Moses, who's actually yeah. their right tackle. He right. He's, he's going right. to put him. He's slotting him at left guard here. He had a good uh, – Morgan Moses had a really good uh, playoff game versus the Texans. Yeah. Like Will Anderson had had some success versus Morgan Moses in the regular season. Morgan Moses did a good job there. So um, I guess I guess CJ took notice. That's tough putting together a team like that where you can't you can't put all your guys from your team on it, obviously. Uh, but you just I don't, I don't know. I don't like Micah Parsons for putting guys through that. That's potential. That's potential uh, rift material yes. between guys on the 
You know, I love it. <laughs> Dalton Schultz. What if Dalton Schultz feels like he's better than Travis Kelsey? Then he's delusional. Know? Okay. <laughs> then he needs to have his head checked. <laughs> hey, hey, CJ. I thought we had something special here. I've been saying nice things about you all week long. Now you're saying Travis Kelsey is better than me. He was very excited to put Jameer Gibbs on there. It's not just that he put Jameer Gibbs on there. He almost yeah. felt like he was discovering something nobody else knew when he put Jameer Gibbs on there. He was, like, a, yeah, he wanted he wanted approval. You wanted recognition from Micah Parsons. On Jameer that Gibbs yeah. on the offense or on the running back. Yeah. Um, Did you see when this one wasn't a good sound bite, but like Burt Kreischer and Tom Segura, I don't know if it was staged or not, but like they crashed Pat McAfee's set while CJ Stroud was on. I there. did see that's who that was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they're both comedians. Yep. Um, but Burt Kreischer, known for taking his shirt off. Took his shirt off and started doing push-ups, and and CJ was kind of roasting him pretty hard. Uh, he said, "Like it's, it's starting to smell in here." After he took his shirt off, and and it was weird. It was like it was kind of awkward. Like Bert Kreischer does a lot of funny, crazy stuff. I don't. It, it see, I felt like Pat McAfee was kind of awkward too. I don't think it was a a work. Is that how I would say it? Or yeah, shoot. yeah. What's well, it when it's planned? A shoot. A work is when it's planned. A shoot is. I when thought it's it real. was a. I thought it might have been a shoot okay. more so than a work. Yeah, like Pat. But McAfee. they also snuck past security, so I don't know. Okay. Uh, like you know, well, well, Pat McAfee was okay. well, doing the show. We'll point out that a homeless man came and sat next to me and Brandon Scott in the media workroom at one point. So security is not always a hundred percent. You sure it wasn't Bert Kreischer? <laughs> it may have been. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty okay. sure. Does Bert I mean, Kreischer have, got that vibe a little does bit? Does Bert Kreischer have tattoos on his fingers? It was. You know why I think it was a a, a shoot? Yeah. Was it Tom Segura actually started to look kind of awkward and embarrassed? We by shouldn't the whole have done scenario. this. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think he had second thoughts. He's like, oh, we're not. It's not so easy when you don't have Joe Rogan standing behind you. Right. Oh no! Right. Oh boy! Yeah. <laughs> We've gone too far away from the Joe Rogan uh, nest. All right, so um, so we we're in the midst of some version of a dynasty here with the Chiefs. Where are the Texans on the list of AFC teams that might be able to end this thing here for Kansas City? If you are rooting for the Chiefs' downfall. Where are the Texans on the list of teams you would back to maybe have that happen? We will uh, we'll go through that next. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. A left 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house and owning it. Having an advocate who can help you navigate negotiations, timelines, inspections, and more can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Because that's who we are. 
Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Live from the Twin Peaks studios, Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. Right, there's one, at least one texter says that was the most gangsta flex from CJ not to look at the Lombardi trophy. LOL. Yeah. I was cool with it. I, I'm, CJ's still at the stage where I'm pretty much cool with anything he does. <laughs> you know, I probably criticize like some other quarterback for not looking at the trophy. Like, stop being, stop being such a hardo, man. But I'm like, CJ I, I, does it. I'm like, good job, CJ. I think the thing with CJ is uh, compared to like a young Deshaun, and I'm not trashing Deshaun for this. It's something that we were fine with at the time, but we like we were pretty open about his talk about being legendary all the time. I, I that was a little bit eye roll inducing. Like the whole the whole fixation with the word legendary. To the point where when he got served, you realized that he lived on Legends Lane. Um, that like that was a bit much, I thought. And and I also didn't like that, and this was before anything, you know, you know, I was on record with this while we were still very positive on on Deshaun. There were times where Deshaun would play well and yet the offense didn't score points, where Deshaun would happily accept lots and lots of praise um, for having such a great game, despite actually not performing well as an offense. I think CJ is just, he's just naturally wired more about team success uh, and focusing outward than most guys. But there's also going to be moments where when you're doing 20 interviews a day and people are asking you about yourself constantly, then yeah, you're going to, you're going to give some sound bites that are about yourself. And it's, it's easy if you want to, to paint somebody in a negative light because of that. But I don't like, I don't sense that at all from CJ. Yeah. I I'm with you on that. Um, as far as the AFC goes, Look, we spent 18 years, 19 years, whatever it was, in the midst of a Patriots dynasty. And there were there, there were other good teams embedded in that time frame. Obviously, the Colts had some good years and the Steelers and so forth. They didn't win the Patriots didn't win the Super Bowl or the, or the conference every year. It just felt that way. We're in the midst right now of a stretch here, Seth, where the Chiefs are, I mean, they're literally in the conference title game every year. And they're in the Super Bowl more often than not. And they're winning the Super Bowl more often than not. So... I, I think it fits the category of a dynasty. If we were to pick the next AFC dynasty, like which teams are best set up to take that mantle from the Kansas City Chiefs and then have a stretch of and then and the answer may be there isn't going to be one. It, it could be one of these things now where you know the it's like the NFC is where there feels like there's a different team every year and there's a lot of ups and a lot of downs. Um where are the Texans right now on the list of teams in the AFC that could have a nice five or six year run here where they're making deep runs into the playoffs and maybe even maybe even replacing the Chiefs as a team that's that's kind of always in the mix each year? I guess okay, so the like where are they set up for the next five years? Yeah, um, yeah. they have that thing which is so rare, which is a quarterback who's already a plus quarterback who can win you games, but on his rookie contract. And I think the the trajectory is is very very high on that. So I think that like that puts them already above the Jaguars. Yep. Like no matter how you might feel about the Jaguars, like let's say if you write off some of the issues that um, they had this year, and maybe you think that Trevor Lawrence is going to be better next year, he's got he's he's going to be on a big contract. You know, it's just it's harder to build a team around that guy. Um, the Colts. I like Shane Steichen, but I will put the Texans above the Colts because we don't know if Anthony Richardson, A, 
is going to be a genuinely good NFL quarterback. And if he is a genuinely good NFL quarterback, he is a guy who is injured a lot. Yeah. In college and in the NFL so far, it is a track record of misery. Um, so I put him above both those teams that would be close to him. I guess the questions I'm going to have, I guess the Steelers, I would put them above the Steelers. I'm, I'm kind of taking the teams that are right around them in the rankings. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, would put the, I would put the Texans above the Steelers again because they know who their quarterback is. I would put the Texans above the Dolphins because Tua Tungavailoa, we're not sure what he is as a quarterback, and now he's probably going to be making a lot more money over the next couple of years. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to find teams that I don't feel better about the Texans, and I just land with really like the Ravens, the Bills, the Chiefs. They're above the Texans right now just because, and, and I know the Bills have their issues, but yeah. they're for where they are. Um, not many, Sean. Not many. Yeah, I think there's three other teams that I would throw. I, I, I did the same thing, Seth. I, I basically wrote down all the seeds from the playoffs, and I'm like, all right, well, I've, I'm with you. Yeah. I feel better about the Texans in Miami. Feel better than them about Jacksonville. I know Jacksonville wasn't a playoff team. Um, feel better than them about Cleveland, even with Cleveland with this elite defense. You know, they've got mm. Deshaun Watson with a $65 million cap hit each of the next three years. Not an exaggeration. Like, he, they're going to have a really hard time keeping that team together. I feel better than them about Cleveland. Or better than the better about the Texans than Cleveland. You mentioned Baltimore. You mentioned Buffalo. I, I can agree with you on those. I think two other interesting teams. Cincinnati gets back Joe Burrow. Now keep in mind, Joe Burrow has not been able to finish a season two out of the four years he's been in the NFL. So that's yeah. And yeah. his contract. And he's a guy that doesn't. He doesn't. He's kind of fl- he's kind of cavalier about sacks. Like he doesn't accept responsibility for them. And he takes a lot most- of them. Yeah, and quarterbacks like they've one thing they've learned in recent years is that quarterbacks are more responsible for sacks that they take than the offensive line itself. Yeah. That doesn't mean doesn't excuse bad offensive line play, but guys like Peyton Manning, for instance, were always really good at it, even behind a bad offensive line. They didn't get sacked a lot, whereas Burrow uh, does not share that same responsibility. And his contract kicks in this year, his second yeah. contract, so it's going to be harder for them to to spend in free agency like they did prior to getting to the Super Bowl in 2021. I would put Houston ahead of Cincinnati. Okay, this is an interesting one. And when I bounce this question off of Landry during one of the breaks, the first team he brought up, you know, we talked about it for 15 seconds, so it's not like you put a whole list, but it was interesting to me. He's like, what about the Chargers? Mm -hmm. You've got an elite quarterback, and now you've got Jim Harbaugh as the head coach. You had to buy stock in the Texans or the Chargers with Harbaugh there now. Which one would it be? You know, I'm not a superstitious man, Sean except for one entity. Uh, I don't fear black cats. I, I don't fear walking underneath a ladder. Uh, I fear the Chargers and the Spanos family, and uh, I feel that they are perpetually hexed. Cursed. Yeah, yeah. so I'm not worried about them until, for, until further Until notice. further, until they actually yeah. win something. I think that's fair. Um, I guess the bottom line with all this, Texan fans feel good. You know, the, you're, you're in a conference where it feels like the Chiefs win every year, but it's not going to be this way forever. You know, and yeah. they were like the B-minus version of themselves for most of the year until the playoffs rolled around. You know, the thing about the Browns is that I, I, I'm sure there was a part with the Browns when they signed Deshaun Watson that thought, well, look, yeah, it's a huge contract. It's all guaranteed, but 
we'll be able to push some of that off. After things get rolling and we feel good about everything, we can re restructure the contract in such a way that we spread it out over many more years or what have you. There's no way in hell they feel that way right now. No. They're like, oh, wow, yeah, Deshaun has just been so thoroughly and astoundingly awesome that we want to give him a 10-year contract for a billion dollars. Well, that's They're the not thing. feeling that way. Any, any, any attempt at pushing money into the future means you're committing yeah. to him for even longer then yeah. you are committed right now. Making it that much more uncomfortable. Or you're going to have a huge cataclysmic year where you can't even fill the roster because yeah. it's all backloaded yeah. before you have to get yeah, rid of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's grade some people, Seth. You know, you and I like to take a look at the broadcast, the yeah. quality of the broadcast, especially when it's a CBS broadcast. And um, how would you grade Tony Romo's performance yesterday? I would give him, uh, boy, on which scale? I mean, if uh, if the standard is uh, Greg um, um, Olson, Olson, thank you. Um, <laughs> no, McElroy. So <laughs> Greg, Greg Olson, uh, I would give him a C, which is pretty good for Romo. I thought there were only a few instances in which he was just so far out of left field that I was besides myself with rage, like when he oddly was talking about the disciplined pass rush on a play where where Gene Steratore and Jim Nance were desperately yeah. trying to discuss an intentional grounding penalty yeah. that probably was the, the wrong penalty. Uh, <laughs> Romo, Romo saw a tackle box and assumed that they must be talking about the pass. I would tell... Instead, if, of, the, instead of the intentional grounding. Yeah, yeah. I, if I could give Romo one piece of advice, I would say when it comes, to, when it comes time to break down rules, yeah, that's why a, Gene's here. The yeah, gene he is stop. here. We don't need you to do that. You 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 are making it worse. You're confusing people. He never understands people. the rule. He never understands Steratore's breakdown. No. And then he tries to explain to Gene, back to Gene, what Gene just said. Yeah. And then Gene's put in a position of like trying to be polite and uh, and not well, say, no, Tony, you're dead wrong. Yeah, you didn't understand a thing I just gotta said. He's got to keep cleaning up Romo's mess like the whole time. You, like Just stay also, out of the way. Uh, just before the game-winning pass... Romo would not stop over explaining why there would be a second overtime period. Yeah. Like, I feel like it was good that he mentioned that, hey, by the way, just in case you're wondering why they're not in a hurry up mode here, there's going to be another quarter where they're going to keep playing until the game is over. And he explained it three times right up until the snap when that should be Jim Nance setting the stage for exactly yeah. how big a, a set of downs this was. No doubt. No yeah. doubt. Um, speaking of Nance. We know Jim Nance's calling card is the final call of a game. You know, he's usually got some sort of pun or joke or something something witty related to the locale that the game is being played in. Here was Jim Nance's final call on Mecole Hardman's game-winning touchdown. First and goal. Mahomes flings it. It's there! Hardman! Jackpot! Kansas City! Jackpot! Kansas oh, City. Okay. Yeah, that's good. In Vegas, there's a lot of the, there's so many allusions to Vegas yeah. uh, during the broadcast that it almost felt like a requirement. That yeah, it didn't. That didn't feel overly corny no, that or was anything. Simple, yeah. Yeah, we're in Vegas. Yeah, he'll have a jackpot. And, uh, there you go. I thought it was all right. Um, it would have been very bold for him to somehow incorporate Taylor Swift into his call. Oh, that would have been great. Jackpot. Taylor made, you know, something <laughs> like that. I bet he had one in case it was Kelsey. Uh, I bet he did too. If it were Kelsey, he would have a final call. That'd be a yeah. fun question for Nance. Like how many final calls do you have in the holster 
for a big event like that. Right. Like it's not. I think it's. I I wouldn't be surprised to hear he's got like five or six, depending on what happens. You know, depending mm-hmm. on how the. I thought jackpot the, seems like that was going to be the generic one, the non-specialized right. one. Right. Yeah. Especially if the game ends on that play. You know, like if the game-winning field goal. Yeah, if it had been Mahomes running in, he probably had a tailor-made one. Oh, excuse me. Now you Kelsey, got me doing it. Yeah. No, no. I'm I'm saying he would have had a tailor-made one for that situation. Oh, okay. If if it had been Mahomes running in, uh, I'm saying. I was using the actual phrase Taylor made. I, was, I wasn't trying to make a pun. He would have had a, a specific one for that situation. Oh, got you. Okay. Um, or if he would have had a, if he would have had Kelsey, it would have been a, a specific one. Um, I feel like Pacheco. Pacheco is an eminently word playable name. It's just a fun word to say, mm-hmm. a fun name to say. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, not in that situation. Um, how would you grade the studio show? Uh, I liked it actually. I enjoyed them in the pregame. I thought that I think JJ's really getting more and more comfortable and coming into his own. I think that one of our listeners pointed out that at halftime it seemed like Phil Sims couldn't get a word in, and then he seemed frustrated by it. I wouldn't have noticed that. I didn't notice that. I did notice that he took a shot at Boomer out of nowhere, uh, like at a, which I thought was kind of fun and and light. When uh, they were talking about the connection between Pat Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Boomer was talking about, like, you don't, I don't know where he's going to be. I don't know what he's going to do. And Phil Simms said, kind of like doing a broadcast with you. Wow. And, uh, and I thought, well, that's a good little jab. And then I looked at Phil, and he was just giving him a death glare. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's a shoot. <laughs> that is what that is. Um, I give it a C for Crowded. They have way too many people on that thing, man. Too many man. people. Too many yeah. people on that studio show. Way too many people. I'm, I'm amazed James Brown's able to orchestrate that whole thing the way that he does. He does a really good job. Um, John Lopez is here. Hello. How are you? I am fantastic. Um, Amy and I, when I got home yesterday, mm-hmm. Amy had this whole spread ready to go for the game. Out of baby. Including some steak, like like ground down into like cheesesteak level. Oh, yeah. That's delicious. Marinated in OG sauce. Well, you're dang right. It was. Yeah, it was really good, man. Yeah, OG sauce. Really OG sauce was making the rounds I last night. I must have had like seven sliders of that stuff. Oh uh, yeah, we still have a ton left over. Yeah, it was. Yeah, uh, yeah that's good stuff. I'm glad. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so we all made it back. So we all made it back. Yep. Um, my, my, we're obviously we're gonna have a lot to cover, but uh, on your your discussion there on Jim Net, I, I feel like if you asked him, you wouldn't get the whole truth. Because I think every announcer has a couple in the back. I think you should. Yeah, I think yeah, it's. Yeah. I, I think it's. Uh, you're, yeah. you're being uh, irresponsible to not. Well, you're already, or, or just not human. I mean, right. you're, you're all thinking, okay, what if this? What if that? Yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, overall, I would say hi, Landry. How you living? How yeah, you? I'm living? doing good, man. What did you? Uh, what did you think last night? We were just grading the uh, the broadcast. Uh, the broadcast itself yeah. sucked. I mean, it was terrible. <laughs> uh, the the pregame coverage was elite. I mean, from uh, from Burleson to uh, like everything they did, JJ, all that, it was great. Uh, but yeah, it sucked. It was bad. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.